Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBios.com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. Hi. TJ. Hi. Uh, my name is David. <laughs> and we have Brent, too. He's an eager beaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, on today's podcast, we're talking about what we've been watching and then uh, going into some news. So first off, what we've been watching... Guys, i got to go first. Do it. <laughs> oh, nice. I never go first. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> what I watched is uh, something that I, we finally completed the quartet. Is I watched a movie and it was called Get Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. I liked it. I thought it was really good. It's a great thriller. And I think it gets better when you think about it. Yeah. When you're mm-hmm. not in the thick of it. Definitely. Yeah. And now that we've all seen it, this is a spoilable movie. Yeah. And for the next 10 minutes, we'll probably talk about those spoilers. Yeah. Putting that out there. I don't have anything in particular I want to spoil. Sure. When I watched it, I watched it, uh, I think I rented it from Amazon or something. Did you guys see the alternate ending at all? Yeah. I've seen it since no. then. What's the alternate ending? Alternate ending is at the end. Except the scene. When the main character Those are motivation is on the uh, deserted ro- road with uh, Rose. Mm-hmm. And is like contemplating choking her out, and the cops show up. The alternate ending has the cops be two white guys, yeah, and they put the guy in prison because white cops, a seemingly black aggressor and a white woman in the road, yeah. Right. So they do like a flash forward, and he's he's put away for murder, and his uh, cousin, I think it's his cousin Rod, yeah, visits him in prison. They just talk about like you didn't do it, but. It doesn't really matter. He stays in prison. Yeah. That was my thought when seeing the scene. Yeah, I mean, my thought was a step further even that they were going to get out of the car and blow him away. Yeah. Instead, the actual ending was the cop shows up is Rod. Yeah. And they have a, a nice, serious conversation in the car about that's what TSA does. Yeah. <laughs> did you think when you saw the lights pull up, did you also think those were, did you think that was... A possible scenario, the alternate ending. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, I kind of yeah, like that's how everybody kind of was. I think mm. I kind of like the good ending that we got because it really subverts that expectation. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and it also gets to take the TSA joke full circle. Yeah, because like you've got Rod, who's a TSA agent, but like kind of like the super cop version of TSA. Because mm-hmm. like TSA are like pretty stereotypically like useless officers um, who don't care about their jobs, but Rod is like. Like really into being TSA. And yeah. It's incredibly important to him. But a bit of a satire, bit a bit of poke at the TSA. I think I was reading in like the, the IMDb trivia that uh, Jordan Peele actually really does respect TSA. <laughs> <laughs> like he he treats them seriously when he's in the airport and respects what they do. That's why there's like uh, Key and Peele sketches about TSA agents. Yeah, he's just interested by them. Weird. Comes from a place of sincerity, or someone on posted on IMDb something that. <laughs> May not have been accurate. They were just <laughs> first. They were standing behind him in line once for mm-hmm. a, for a plane, and uh, they uh, it was like, man, this guy's really respectful of TSA. <laughs> Gonna make a note of that on IMDb. Um, I thought the acting in that was fantastic from the family, all all four of them. Yep, really good. Playing the the two layers and not letting too much slip up. Yeah, I know Brent's got a, a favorite line, kind of from Bradley Whitford's character. Oh, yeah, when he asks him at the beginning, when he says, so, uh, how long's this thing been going on? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> ugh, ugh. yeah, it's... Yeah, it's secretly the most terrifying part of the movie. Yeah, I still am holding out hope that Bradley Whitford gets nominated for an Oscar for it, just because I think it would be, you know, so fantastic for the old white guy in the movie to get the Oscar nomination. <laughs> <laughs> or, and or Catherine Keener, too. Yeah, they were both really good. She yeah. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The uh, girl eating Fruit Loops. Loops at the end mm-hmm. was so fucking creepy. It's like a glass of milk with a straw with a bowl of dry Fruit Loops. It's like sitting Indian style. Yeah. One by one. Yeah. So horrifying. Not so letting them mix also. Yeah. yeah. The Fruit Loops and the milk yeah. keep them separate. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, besides that, I saw some other stuff. Good. Uh, some other movies. I watched uh, The Conjuring too. I I've saw the we saw the first Conjuring in the theaters. So yeah. I thought it was some real effective scares and some nice dread. Yeah. Uh, the second one wasn't as good for me, but still, you know, it's a satisfying franchise for me. It's yeah. Like, I've only seen the first two, and I haven't seen any of the spinoffs though. The Annabelle stuff. I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's. I heard that the second movie does does a little bit too much to set up the Annabelle bullshit that is to come, or does it not really do? It doesn't really. <laughs> okay. It sets up. I guess spoilers if you haven't seen the commercials, but it sets up the nun character, and it sets up. I guess another spoiler, but out of context, it's not going to matter. The crooked man. 
which okay. is apparently going to be... Has anyone else seen it? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Conjuring 2. No. Okay. Hopefully they get a solid first one. Got to be worth a ton of money right now. Yeah. True. Because they've the got like don't six movies that are associated with the Warrens. Yeah, there's like a Warren universe yeah. now. I've got looked up the what Annabelle the doll looks like in the like museum. Yeah, it's way more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like, like it's a raggedy Ann doll pretty much. Yeah. They got possessed. Like turn of the century yeah. raggedy Ann. It's, it's in a museum. Yeah. But part of the whole shtick for the Museum Conjuring. of spooky bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> part of the shtick for the franchise is like everything is based on a true story, but like with a wink and a nod right. yeah. for a kind of. But they do show some of like the still photographs of some of the evidence. Some of the stuff's pretty creepy. Yeah. I mean you had you had creepy people coming into people's houses and being like, Oh yeah, this this shit's real haunted. Like, it's all emanating from this. And they just, to them, say, based on true stories, it's based off the Warrens' notes. Like, the Warrens weren't, like, normal people. Like, they were, like, a little crazy. Because you have to be to make that your job, like, in the 60s. Yeah, you have to be to have a job where you focus on things that aren't real. <laughs> yeah, and where, where you, A, focus on things that aren't real, B, believe that there's malicious intent behind inanimate objects, and then, C, make it your job to surround yourself with these fake things that you believe are real, that are going to harm you. Right. Like, you're making so many choices to endanger your own life that, like, normal people don't even consider option, like, step one. Yeah. I do like how, um, it's, I think it's pretty unique in a horror movie like this, where they treat Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga's faith as sincere, and it's, like, where they draw strength when they're being tried. And that's pretty unique for, most horror movies are, more nihilistic than that. Yeah, it takes. It seemed to take a take a moment to like dunk on like Christianity yeah. at some point. Like the old or the remake Amityville Horror. Like the priest is in there and gets covered in the flies and says basically is useless. And they kind of deal with stuff on themselves because right. they've been abandoned by the church. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. It's a it's a fun two hour scares. They relocated to England too, so people have accents in it. Oh, I. <laughs> and it features uh, the love interest of Elliot from the new Bedazzled. <laughs> Just want to make sure we mention Brendan Fraser every podcast. Check. Yeah. Get him trending again. <laughs> the other uh, the other movie I saw was uh, I gave five stars on Letterboxd. Was Night of the Hunter. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. Really good. I finally saw it after so long. Robert Mitchum is so good as Reverend. So Robert terrifying. Powell. Praise on Jesus. That thing still gets me the willies. Yeah, the him riding on the horse while the grandmother's got the shotgun is, like, so effective, and it's so, like, beautiful. Like, the, the back-and-forth focus. It seemed like that movie was, like, super ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It's shot like a fairy tale kind of nightmare from the these two kids' perspectives. It was, uh, yeah, I thought it was near perfect. Loved it. It came up. Years ago, Brent and I were talking, this is way before we started the podcast, but about the things you are scared of seeing if you're, like, you know, out alone at night, like, sitting on the porch or whatever, and, like, picturing the, do you ever do this? Like, picture, like, what would be scary to see at, like, a street light that's, like, way down the street. Like, it'd be horrifying to see somebody, like, there staring at you. I used to do that when I was little all the time, and I was like, what, like, what do you picture, Brent? And he was like, Robert Mitchell from Night of the Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I watched it then. It's a good answer, because that would be... Horrifying. Good answer. Y'all check it out. It's pretty good. Michelle. I watched like most of What Hot American Summer 10 years later. Oh, I didn't, didn't start that yet. Yeah. Is it rough? I, I don't think it's very good. It's the, like the, the further we're getting away, like the copies of the copies of the original. Right. Like I love the original. The I could think the kind of worse it's getting. Mm-hmm. Kind of the more. Real fans of First Day? First Day Camp? We liked it. We were fans. I liked it, but it was, it was yeah. lesser. They do a lot of very 90s things from 90s movies. Nice. So uh, it's it's one thing like oh man that wasn't very good I don't think I laughed at all and then turn over to Alice and it's like you want to watch another one sure <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's that kind of thing did you watch the challenge I did watch the challenge only four episodes deep Jemmy is uh, exactly the dirty player that, that everyone thought she was yeah she's like this person who's bad at challenges she's not really great at politicking because every season she's on she just like at some point just goes for the throat really early. And she did in this past episode. Like, they they edited it so, like, everyone's like, oh my god, that's so surprising she did that. But, like, in a confessional interview, she was like, I don't know anyone anything. Like, I'm going to do what I want when I want to. But they also flash cut to, like, an episode earlier, the person she double-crosses, like, I'm going to save Jemmy. Yeah. And Jemmy straight up says, like, I owe you one. And then, like, an episode later, it's like, I don't owe anybody anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
<clears throat> effective editing. We also, uh, Allison and I, were, were saying that the show is in love with saying the word dirty. Yeah. <laughs> that if you did a drinking game where you said you drank every time they said dirty, you'd just be, like, destroyed. Yeah. Well, it's that's a, Dirty 30, right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's what they do every season with their theme. Mm-hmm. Like, ba- like Battle of the Bloodlines. Like, T.J. Lavin was constantly like, well, these are your blood. Like, this is your flesh and blood. Like, you guys are blood. Because <laughs> it was all, like, about, like, blood. This, yeah, like, Dirty 30. Like, this is going to be the dirtiest challenge ever. <laughs> I don't know why, why week to week have to mock T.J. Lavin. It's We're so good at it. <laughs> I'm still surprised that he's kept his secret about the million dollars so far. <laughs> you think he's like like a kid who's like really bad with secrets? I think he's going to say like, in for a minute, oh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's been decent. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been... There's a pretty surprising challenge victory. From a newcomer. I don't want to go too much more into it, but I thought that guy was... Uh, you don't want to get into it. What are you talking about? You because they haven't seen it. Oh. Okay. I mean... Yeah. I don't want to get into matter. the specifics. <laughs> I don't think that mean anything. You tell me. I saw him watch the second of the show. There's a guy named TJ and he just, sounds like Chris. Just, just, just <laughs> you know, whisper it to me. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't that surprised by that. I, I want, you watched the this Go Big or Go Home real world, right? Yeah. That had Chris, who's now known as Ammo. Yeah. See, I, I liked him a lot, but I found him pretty irritating on Go Big or Go Home. Yeah, he was pretty irritating, pretty uh, kind of self-evangelizing and yeah. judgmental. Um, but, for a person who's supposed to be very open. Yeah, but I love who he is now. <laughs> His character is hilarious. He's just a gay best friend to, like, everybody. <laughs> yeah. He, he This guy had the opportunity to pick who he was going to compete against in elimination. And TJ's like, so, uh, Ammo, like, do you know who you're going to pick? He goes, I'm going to pick whoever got the drunkest last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, when he said that, I was like, that's so smart. Yeah, just be like, yeah, I want like the person who's the most hungover. I'm going <laughs> to compete against that asshole. And then, like, it came down to, like, picking who he was going to go against. And someone took it really personally, and he was like... Uh, it was a joke. If you can't see that it was a joke, like you're not that smart. <laughs> nice. Been interesting so far. It sounds like we're gonna get the results of the Redemption Redemption House, House yeah. next week, maybe. Or maybe the yes. end of next week. This it could be like uh invasion where they show it in a promo and it doesn't happen for four more fucking episodes. Yeah, true. But I not this week, but I didn't talk about it last week. And it overlaps with TJ Lil, but I watched the movie Nerve. I don't know if anyone is aware of the movie Nerve because what is that? <laughs> so I watched it on a I watched a trailer for it, which is just the mall scene. The whole trailer is the scene in the mall scene or in the department store. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole trailer. Oh, okay. So me and Snyder watched it one night. We're like flipping through watching trailers on my phone. Yeah, I was like that looks intriguing. And if you just watch that scene, yeah. it is super intriguing. So, so it's Dave Franco and Emma Roberts. Oh, is this like the the internet is terrorizing you thing? Like yeah, the it's a dare, dare game. Yeah, 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 it's like a it's like a Twitch style life where you sign up to be a player, and then people who are watching you uh, vote democratically for what a dare is, and they like assume like chip in money so that you have to um, so you get paid if you do the dare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like you pay like twenty dollars to sign up as a watcher. Yeah, and then there's a bank. Yeah. And you vote how much you want to pay people to do dares, and it comes out of that bank if they do it, if they complete it. I remember thinking that's a pretty intriguing premise. Yeah, and that's why I watched it. I I will watch any movie, good or bad, if it has an interesting premise. Yeah. I don't think that they did a great job with it. They kind of, they they blew it up into this, like, kind of, like, nationwide conspiracy, Hmm. and, not conspiracy, but this, like, really dark, twisted thing and not just dealing with what people who are internet celebrities actually deal with which is not being ready for celebrity mm-hmm. to like dave franco i mean franco and roberts are good it was a very very slightly above average movie I yeah I, like it, the, so close that i would call it average yeah i don't know it's it's fine machine gun kelly's in it his 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 debut as a main character and he's good Hmm. Um, the rapper Machine Gun Kelly. He plays the ponytail guy. Oh, old buddy or whatever. Yeah. So another guy I only know from guest hosting Catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly and Charlamagne the God. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like like flaunting your whiteness this week. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way that movie didn't go and the why I say it's slightly above average is it didn't go the route of like there's a centralized villain. Yeah, but... I mean, that was, that was just yeah, the yeah, way yeah, it could have yeah. gone that would have been eye roll as all hell. Yeah. I mean, it's still pretty eye rolly. It's essentially the point is like it's a movie about being able to say anything you want and not have any consequences online, pretty much. Yeah, that's the like 
backing of it. Although yeah. I don't, I don't think they pay off like that. Nah. The anonymity is the main problem. I think it's just like making people do because they end up the dares get dangerous. Walk across this ladder that's suspended between two windows in a New York City high rise. And what's stopping them from saying like, "All right, I've gotten two hundred dollars already. I'm not going to endanger." Tap it out. You don't get to keep the money. Okay. If you back out of a dare or you tell the cops or snitch. Yeah. If you bail. Yeah. The three ways to lose your money. Fail, bail, or snitch. Yeah. And so if they do that, then they lose their, their bank's money. You have to make it through the whole end and be on top to collect all the money. Mm. Do they balance it, the movie enough so that you can understand why their greed is outweighing their mortal danger? Kind of. With Emma Roberts, you, you can because she's got a struggling mother and... She wants Six to. Sibling, maybe? She wants to leave Staten Island to go Cal- art school in yeah. California, yeah. and they can't afford it. And she's got a full ride scholarship to, to school in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And Dave Franco, you find out later, is doing it to help his buddy because he he participated when it was launched in Seattle. His friend, who he was doing it with in Seattle, died. Mm-hmm. Doing one of the dares. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it tells <clears throat> that story okay. Yeah, what it, uh, there's. Emma Roberts' friend is totally in it for the fame. Like, 100%. I'm in this for the fame. Yeah, so it opens with her, her like, flashing her ass at the whole school at a pep rally mm-hmm. for a dare. And Dave, and Emma, uh, Dave Franco and Emma Roberts' characters essentially snitch. And when you snitch, you're, like, locked in. You can't get up. Yeah. They're like, well, they'll kill you if you escape. Yeah, that's the implication. Although, they're, they're like, there's no like, real threat of anyone dying. Except, like, stupid dares that they're just agreeing to. But, yeah, it was okay. It was, it was interesting. I like... I like Movies that are very positively in the 21st century. The tackling new media as, like, smartly, I think, makes for a fun premise. But it's I, like, I agree, because so many movies from the past, it's like, if someone had a cell phone, this movie wouldn't exist. Right. You know, trying to come up with new stakes for new technological, technological status we're currently in. Yeah, and it's spe- interesting. And talking about Get Out, I thought that was, like, a brilliant, like, minor way to solve the, why didn't he just fucking call somebody? When he found this out, it's like, oh, because the maid kept unplugging his phone. Mm-hmm. Just something as simple as that is is preventing the deus ex machina of like, oh, he gets a phone and he calls somebody. Mm-hmm. Like his his phone is isn't charged the whole time. Sure, something people deal with in real life, mm-hmm. despite saying like, well, they just call the clubs. But yeah, so that's but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I watched other than our you know weekly standards. Yeah, I do want to talk about GOT at some point. We can do that whenever we want to. Yeah, someone else can 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 helm that. Because I have been playing a game. The game I've been playing is called Slime Rancher. Slime Rancher. And it is a ton of fun. I was a big sucker for the Viva Pinata games. And it's really similar to that. The basic premise, it's the first person shooter style gameplay. Mm-hmm. But the premise is you are a slime rancher. You inherit your grandfather's farm. And you go there and you just have like no objective. It's just, you know, you go out and you set out and you find pink slimes. And if pink slimes eat something, they make pink, they make pink slime port. Which is, you know, slime poop. And, but you can sell slime poop. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, an ever-changing stock market for slime poop. <laughs> and then you venture further and you see there are rock slimes or blue slimes. And if you sell theirs, their poop's worth more. Mm-hmm. But if a pink slime eats a blue plort, it turns into <laughs> a pink rock larga, which is a large pink and blue slime. So you start combining slimes together mm-hmm. to make these like fusions. And it's just, it's just all like... Resource management after that. Yeah. It's like Viva Pinata. Yeah. Slimes have favorite foods, which means that they make double plorts. You build corrals. Certain slimes are feral. If they eat the wrong plort, it's just relaxing, like, ranching game. I don't know. It's... It looks fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's like 20 bucks. It's on PS4 and Steam. It's a, good, uh, it's a good way to spend an afternoon. I think I've got, like, 10 hours in it and still haven't reached, like, the end game stuff. Mm-hmm. You eventually unlock, like, a laboratory, and you can start building, like, gadgets to make it all better, but that's gated off by having to have, like, an insane amount of money to buy that. And then you go from just having to manage the resources of, like, slimes and slime poop and money and food to also you start getting, like, resources, and you build, like, drills, and you drill for oil and shit, and I don't know what it's all for, but I've heard that there's, like, an ending to the game. Oh. So, I thought it was just going to be an open world play forever. Right. Yep. Neat. Slime Ranger. It does look fun. I'll watch them play it, so. Yep. It's cool. Brian? So I watched two war movies this week. One was a little newer, one was older. Watched the 2017 movie Dunkirk. 
uh, I went to see it in 70 millimeter, and oh. it was worth the hype. Dunkirk was a very simple story. It's uh, it is just Escape from Dunkirk, and that mm-hmm. is that is it. And doesn't it have multiple timelines going? It does. Yeah, it's uh, because you can't really. I think it's because Christopher Nolan said he didn't want to wait till like three quarters of the way through the movie to introduce uh, Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So you see, from the perspective of the people on the beach, it's the whole movie takes place over the course of a week. And mm-hmm. from Mark Rylance in the boat, it's one day. And Tom Hardy in the air, it's one hour. <laughs> and so it all kind of comes together. Comes together at the end. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's really <laughs> sounds tough to do. <laughs> so is it like Inception style, where like it's the week on the like bookend, and then a day, and then an hour down the beach is like moving. <laughs> <laughs> also, Interstellar, they're out there for like one week is uh, right. ten yeah. years. I think that Christopher Nolan is confused by time. <laughs> Maybe he just like is a time lord. <laughs> Maybe Maybe it might be the opposite. He gets it more. <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot to say about the story because it is literally just you can just look up the story of the retreat from, from Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah, and they're and, trying to escape and people are trying not to let them escape. Right, it's, <laughs> so it's like it's, it's war. <laughs> yeah, there's not much of a plot to it other than that, and it's uh, the there's not a whole lot. To, the acting is good, but there's there's not like a standout performance. But this thing is gonna, I think it's gonna clean up uh, with some technical awards mm. at the Oscars. It is. Uh, some of the uh, aerial scenes, the dogfight scenes, were some of the best I've ever seen. So, like, like Mad Max cleanup, like that big? Uh, possibly. I mean, it's hard to say. You don't know what else What's is coming, coming out. out. That's true. There were some shots. There, the cinematography was amazing. I'm sure. I feel like we get that with Nolan now. Just like if Nolan's coming out with a movie, it's probably going to be technically amazing. Yep. My favorite shot in the movie was uh, it's near the beginning. Uh, this one guy, basically, they hear planes approaching. They're out on the beach, and uh, he just dives into the sand, puts his, he- his uh, hands over his head, and you see down the beach past him, and you just see <laughs> approaching bombs mm-hmm. just getting closer and closer. <clears throat> and it's a really powerful shot. Neat. The whole thing is just mesmerizing, and it feels like it's not like a oh this will be fun. Let's watch Dunkirk. This is not a it's not a fun movie. It's a movie you just endure, but it's in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's only like an hour and forty minutes long. It is not a long movie. Good for Nolan, though, and and I know why he didn't make it longer because it feels like it's two and a half hours. Oh really? Yeah, it's just, it feels like you can't escape. Like he, he does a fantastic job of putting you in that place. Cool. And yeah, it can be a little cheesy to describe movies as an experience, but in that case, I think that's the point of the movie is to put you in that place. I think the character you maybe connect to most is probably Mark Rylance, who is uh he's not in the military. He's just a uh, yeah. He's just a guy who owns a boat who takes it across the channel to mm-hmm. try to pick up some soldiers. And, uh, it makes sense that would be Rylance. It's like the guy you connect with the most is the best actor in the movie, probably. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely recommend it. I think it's such a huge technical achievement that it's definitely worth going to see. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. It managed to not be the best war movie I watched this week. <laughs> um... Uh, so I got home. Tropic Thunder, Lord of War. <laughs> I got home from Dunkirk, and uh, I was in the mood for another oh, war movie. Home from Dunkirk. Yeah, <laughs> flew across the ocean real quick, and I watched Kundirk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I watched the Stanley Kubrick movie uh, Paths of Glory. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. You, I want to see it, but I haven't seen it. Man, it is insane. It is a great movie. Is it on Filmstruck? Or no, it's on, on something else. It's on Tubi TV. <laughs> Tubi, wow. <laughs> Brett, man, you need, to, you need to get some free t-shirts. Classic. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy when you you know you look on there and you're like, oh, you've got classic Kubrick movies. Of course you do. It's an anti-war movie and an anti-war movie without being preachy about it. And it's so good. It's uh, I don't know if you know the story in the movie, but it's a... Uh, it's a French regiment during World War One who, like a general, tells whoever's beneath him that uh, the guy who's kind of in charge of the regiment that he can uh, he can get a promotion if they can go take this hill. And at first, the guy's like, "No, nah, we can't take the hill. It's impossible. We've been basically it's uh, the French and Germans have been in a stalemate with trenches, just staring at each other for months mm-hmm. because." If you try to advance, either side will just get slaughtered. The, the boring truth of war. Right. That's pretty much what it is. And so, but with the uh, carrot dangling in front of him of promotion, he decides suddenly that his troops are have gotten a whole lot better. 
And he's thinking like, oh, you know, we can take this. We've got brave troops. Mm. And so he instructs his uh, colonel, his field colonel, uh, who's played by Kirk Douglas, to take the hill. Mm-hmm. The movie is kind of resolves that fairly early. It 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 carries on, so it's. I kind of thought it would be more about that, but that's really over fairly quickly. It's uh, they predictably it goes horribly, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the movie is mostly about the the plot turns to the general feels embarrassed about it, so he tries to court martial a bunch of people, try them for cowardice mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they turned back. Neat, and it's about just basically. It's a movie that makes you angry about middle management almost is is what the core of the movie is, I think. And uh, I was reading and uh, David Simon said it was a huge influence on The Wire. Just how people in power really are just so disconnected from the ramifications of their their decision making. I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. The actual, the the battle scenes at the beginning are really well shot. They're really good. But uh, it reminds me... Vaguely, one of my favorite war movies is uh, one of my favorite Humphrey Bogart roles because he plays like a kind of a dimwit. It's uh, the Kane Mutiny. Anybody seen that? Not seen it. He's in charge of a ship in the Navy and he's <clears throat> real nerdy and he figures out, um, like, he starts thinking people are stealing like strawberries from the kitchen or the mess or whatever. And he like wants the court martial bill for stealing strawberries. And there's essentially a, a mutiny to overthrow him. And it goes through all that. And it goes through, and it ends pretty much with like the military kind of being like, it's our job to court-martial him, not your job to mutiny. But it's the same premise that the way military set up is kind of derpy when it yeah. comes to that kind of shit. And I was, I was actually really happy when I watched it because I uh, have always felt a little underwhelmed by Kubrick movies. Like, I feel like I don't like them as much as I should. I feel that way about The Shining. I've only seen 2001 once, so maybe I should give that one another shot. But I wasn't as impressed as I'd hoped to be by 2001. And so, this movie just blew me away. So, I was was happy to find something like that. Kirk Douglas is fantastic in it. Because he's the, he's definitely the character that you are with the whole movie. And he, and you, um, you know, you're seeing everything through his eyes and he's the one with a conscience. Paths of Glory, 1957. And it's, uh, it's a very short movie. It's like an hour and a half. So, it's a quick watch. I recommend it. I've always wanted to check it out. Mm-hmm. So, now I'll go to 2B TV. Yeah. That's it for movies. I watched uh, one episode of TV this week. I watched... Rick and Morty? No. <laughs> I did. Rick and Morty's good. You should watch Rick and Morty. I should watch Do you watch the finale of Seinfeld? Again? That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about them buttons. Um, no, uh, Game of Thrones. This was an especially good episode. It's just what it's done every season, I feel like. You know, going back and reading the synopses, because I watched the yeah. first five yeah. in a row with Brent. But yeah, look, going back and looking at the episodes, it's like, oh, they're all this way. It's all like build up to whatever and then build up to whatever even the way the stories are in the initial seasons where like there'll be seven stories in one episode and they like kind of shrink it down mm-hmm. and when something crazy is going on it'll just be it's Arya like, and the Hound or yeah. like I mean, the whole episode is the Battle of the Blackwater Bay right yeah or Battle of Bastards or mm-hmm. yeah whatever but yeah I did read the uh, last week's battle there are critics that think the the loot train attack is better than B.O.B. They thought it was done better. That's I surprising. I don't know about it. <laughs> I mean, it was really good. I yeah. had one CGI eye roll moment, but then it was it lasted you know less than a second. Was it the side scrolling dragon? Yeah, yeah. You can just tell it was CGI. Hmm. It's still better than any dragon I've seen in any other form of media. You except, know what I mean? Except for the Dragonheart sequel that's coming out. Right. <laughs> Those trailers. Sick. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that episode immensely. Uh, Although I could, I, I could see the complaint of, of looking back at that battle and thinking that like so many characters made just idiotic decisions during that battle. And wait, during which battle? Sorry, the loot train okay. battle, and they came away with kind of unscathed. Several of them miraculously. Yeah, let's play devil's advocate, but you can definitely say that for Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, yeah. John makes pretty bonehead moves. Yeah, start. strategic yeah. mistakes left and right, and then Deus Ex Machina end the battle. Versus the thrust of this battle is goes back and forth, and mm-hmm. it's not really the Deus Ex Machina that just kind of saves the day. Well, we don't know. That's the thing. Like the general for both sides are like on the brink of death at the moment. I guess when the episode ended, you know what I mean. I would put it on par with Battle of the Bastards as far as the scene from the emotional standpoint, because Battle yeah. of the Bastards, Ramsey Bolton is like unspeakable evil. Right. Nothing redeeming about him. This is the first battle where it's like I like both sides. Right. Yeah. I don't want anyone to be harmed. Yeah. Bron and Jamie are great. Their chemistry is electric. Tyrion and Daenerys, and I mean, I guess the, the only thing I don't really give a shit about is like Drogon is like you know if he dies, like I guess that's bad, but. 
You, you know, just you forget. You're so easy to go into these episodes when with Westeros versus Daenerys, essentially, mm-hmm. and get so locked into Cersei and Daenerys, and how like yeah, go fuck her up, and then they did. A, it was such a good job where they turn you on to like oh yeah, there's Jamie though, and you like Jamie, and mm-hmm. Tyrion likes Jamie, and Jamie likes Tyrion, like they're <clears throat> close brothers who would do anything for each other. You, you just forget about that because it's so easy to dive right into the Cersei hatred to go. Uh, macro view, but on the micro level, you know, there's people you care about on both sides. I will say it has that over Battle of the Bastards. Oh, I, yeah. I can, yeah, I'm saying sure. I can see the argument. Yeah, from those two points. Yeah, which uh, which dragon was she on? Drogon. 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 I feel like Drogon should be sent to zigzag school with Rickon. So yeah, that they Rickon. stop straight lining everywhere. It's like Drogon. All the time. It's named after you, Serpentine. <laughs> <laughs> They did a good job of making them look like they have trouble doing that, though. Because like, I feel like physically they would. Mm-hmm. Like It's not like the dragon would just be like, yo, yo, yo. Like, he's got to like... Right. And plus, like, I feel like you can dive and rise a little bit, maybe. Well, plus, yeah. the dragon yeah. has Daenerys on her, and you can't really just throw her off. I don't know what... That would ruin the show. <laughs> I don't know, just like to Serpentine, and she goes, ah, and just dies. It's like, it's over? <laughs> I am a little curious how much control Danny has. It seems like a lot. Cause like That's what I was wondering too. I mean she definitely can command fire. We know that. Right. Or she like that's about all we like know. Oh or she taught them like fetch. Right. You yeah. know. You can explain some of the stuff like not going serpentine with it with also her this is probably like yeah, her second or third time on the show total. And like the first time we really saw her do anything like this, she just went into a fighting arena. Like, did some fire and flew out? Yeah, because if she can't, like, she can't pilot that thing super well, it makes sense. And also, after, I mean, they they show a scene earlier where where people are firing arrows at Drogon, and it's just, like, clattering off, like, you know, pebbles. Mm -hmm. Um, She could have been cocky also. Like, this this ballista can't hurt Drogon. Right. Uh, And Bronn, once again, being an influential factor of a major battle with a bow and arrow. He started the fire at the Blackwater Bay, and he shot Drogon with that bolt that proves to Danny that her dragons aren't invincible. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the big takeaway from that battle, is like, yeah, Lannisters are going to get roasted. Everyone's running out of food. Winter's coming, and there's going to be no fucking food. Um, so yeah. that's the motivation for ending the long winter sooner, because people are just going to starve, and this- the Night King's just going to roll through. Right. Even before like the the battle at the end, which is was amazing, I did like all the the Stark reunions in Winterfell. The Arya Brienne sparring, yeah, that was cool. I liked it. Yeah, well, people hated it, but I loved it. I liked Brienne getting I loved it. getting frustrated and just booting Arya. Like, mm-hmm. all right, training was the first time you got to see Arya like fight with the like the way she was taught by the Bravosi mm-hmm. in the first season. She's just got like a stick, and then she's blind, but you don't really see too much of her. You see her slit and throat since then, but uh, I went back and watched the scene where John gives Arya a needle mm-hmm. on on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm really excited for this. That's the reunion I'm most excited for, probably out of the surviving Starks. Yeah, and it's yeah. the one I haven't gotten yet. And I, think, I think the one that is most likely to not happen. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the I appreciate the show is is just accelerating everything. Yeah, yeah. Like these people who we have wanted to meet forever are meeting and. Continuing on with it, these people to get to the places they need to be are there already. So yeah. I've really been, even before this episode, appreciating the season for that. Yeah. Everyone who complains about like how characters are time traveling and they're teleporting. Because people used, would bitch and moan about like, oh, the Sand Snakes, how are they already on the boat? Like with, that's headed down to Dorne, uh, like when they get attacked. It's like, you have to do that kind of stuff though. This is a fictional universe there's no set length between, you know, one place and another. Right. Next episode, John could like start the episode out at East Watch by the Sea. And he didn't fucking teleport there. They just don't have to show you every minute of every person's voyage. Yeah, right. This isn't twenty four. Yeah. I, I I appreciate the show doing it. It's weird that people don't get that. I mean, yeah, I don't I, I understand right. why they're doing it and I appreciate it. Yeah. Because we don't have that much more Time for, like, Jorah and Tyrion to be on the road for four episodes before reaching a place. Yeah, right. Like, like there's some great character stuff that happens during that, but we're now, it's less talk and more action to resolve mm-hmm. the conflicts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the creators of the universe tell me what's possible. They set it up for me. And if they think it's that's plausible, then, like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. I would understand it if, like, next episode, like, Ilaria Sand is at the wall. 
because there's like there's a, a an obstacle right. that's been placed in the character's way. Right. Tyrion's like not being held captured by captive by anyone. He's on an island, but he's got a way off. Like there's tons of horses. There's dragons he could fly on. Like yeah. Tyrion can go where the fuck he wants, and I'll be fine with it. Right. Good episode. Good yeah. episode. Good stuff. Excited about it tonight. I think it's going to be a down note. I think it's going to be another another prep episode. Prep episode. And also like the effect. The same of director the, as the last one. The, movie the impact of violence. It's like the violence in the loot train you see in the next week's thing. It's going to be tonight when we're recording this is Danny reckoning with the violence she just caused. Mm-hmm. I watched some of the making of the the loot train and it was super fun to watch. Yeah. Like a 15 minute little vignette on this. Wait, dragon fire is hot. It turns people into ash real fast. So what else have you been watching, DJ? Yeah, I watch every day for my movies. I'll talk about them all, but I'll, I'll, I'll hit highlights. I watched The Overnight. You might heard of The Overnight? Yes. You seen it? I've seen it. With yeah. the Schwartzman and the Adam Scott? Yeah. And the Orange is the New Black? Yep. Check. It's weird. It's a Duplass produced. Is that the uh, the, the skinny dipping? Yeah. yeah. The painting assholes? Yep. Yeah. I've seen it. Huh. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. It's weird. I did too. It's A lot of it's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a guy who directed the point Creep. Has anybody seen Creep? The horror movie? The no. found footage? It's been on my Netflix queue for a while. It's uh, Duplass plays a serial killer, essentially, but it's found footage. Yeah. It's only got like two actors in it. Hmm. Real, real weird. And there's a sequel coming out. That's all this guy's directing. It's that, this, and then the sequel for Creep, hmm. which comes out this year. Schwartzman and Scott are really funny in the, this movie. The Overnight? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the assholes are real weird. There are several moments where I laughed out loud, though. I was like, you want to guess which one's mine? He's like, that one? He's like, uncanny. <laughs> it's like what the hell's going on he paints assholes that look like Kurt Vonnegut drawings <laughs> in uh, whatever book that is where Vonnegut keeps drawing an asshole like every 20 pages Cat's Cradle maybe but yeah they're just like little spirals <laughs> are those assholes yep that's what everybody says <laughs> what the hell's going on so yeah I watched that I like that uh, I watched Lovelace can not recommend not watching that movie enough so watch I should watch it <laughs> Amanda Seyfried is uh, Linda Lovelace. Yeah, um, Peter Sarsgaard's good in it. He's good in pretty much everything. But it's just a real weird movie. James Franco is a young Hugh Hefner. He's not good. <laughs> a young Hugh Hefner at a point where Hugh Hefner wasn't that young. Yeah, in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. in the seventies. Like sixty. Yeah, it's just real weird. They like show a lot of the them filming pornos with no nudity, and I was like, okay, cool. And then they'll be like, just nudity later, like but for with no reason. Like, there she is naked walking around the house, and it's like, why? Like, yeah. Do one or the other. I don't know. It was, it was horrible. I watched a movie that I was super happy with, though. Uh, it's called What If on Amazon Prime. It was released as The F Word. It stars uh, Dana Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan and Adam Driver. Anybody heard of this movie? What If. Came out a few years ago. It was a Canadian film. Amazing. Is <laughs> that a high five for Canada? <laughs> Amazing Canadian movie. No. Um, so good that I want to sign it for homework to make y'all watch it, because it was... It was that great. Adam Driver's hilarious. Dan Ratcliffe was really good. Um, it was the first time I'd seen Zoe Kazan in a leading role. And I'm really excited to see her in, in The Big Sick whenever I get around to it. Yeah, they're essentially like they meet and they're they both are in other relationships and they're just like best buddies. The F word is, is friendship, I'm assuming is what that's alluding to. Mm. But they get kind of friend zoned. Uh, Maybe that's the F word. Friend zone. <laughs> but yeah, really funny. Adam Driver's is great comedic relief. I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard at uh, him coming out of the bedroom after <laughs> being in there with his fiance. He just reaches and inexplicably pulls a plate of nachos out of the oven and just sets him down on the table. He's like, I just had sex and now I'm eating nachos. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, totally get it, Adam Driver. I, I like Adam Driver in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Me yeah. too. He's really good. He's he's great in Girls. I, you know, I talked about Patterson, Patterson. last week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the movie with Tina Fey and two other. This good, is where I leave you. This is where I leave you. It's the yeah. where they're setting Shiva and Adam Driver's fucking hilarious in that. Yeah. yeah, and he's apparently like a really good dude. We have no Casey Affleck, uh, <laughs> you know, aspersions that we have to cast on him because he just like is constantly doing things for the community and for the armed forces, and he's just a good dude. Ex Marine, right? Yeah, yeah. He's in Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, he's all right in that. Uh, yeah, I watched two movies last night. Inspired from a Facebook conversation on the movies group talking about sequels. When I said that the Deathly Hollows movies were tied for best with Azkaban for me from the Harry Potter movies, mm-hmm. then I realized that I only ever watched those at the end of a marathon watching of the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. Um, watched part one and part two of the Deathly Hollows. 
And I was right, they're just really good. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. Yeah. I watched his movies, I wasn't sure, but I'm just totally right about that. Yeah, so nailed it. Self five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could talk about all the things I've talked about this podcast before about those movies, but like all the magic fights with no score was still like super creepy and eerie to me. Mm-hmm. I noticed the first time when Ron gets cut up when they're apparating out of the Ministry of Magic into mm-hmm. the woods. It's super gory. Mm-hmm. You like see like strains of muscle like hanging out from his arm. Mm-hmm. It's real gross. The three of them in the woods in part one is just fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. Um, fantastic movie and where to watch him. Watch Vertigo <laughs> for the second time. You said I was you just going like to tell it. us one thing. I never realized how... Uh, so it's the first use of a dolly shot, which the most famous dolly shot is probably uh, Sheriff Brody and Jaws. When he sees the shark for the first time, it like zooms in on his face, but all the background zooms out. Mm-hmm. That's a classic use in cinema. Uh, Vertigo is the first time they use it, and they use it a ton in Vertigo. But anyway, I read about how it works, and it makes a lot of sense. I never really thought about it. They zoom in on a dolly with the camera, zoom out at the same speed on the camera itself. Grants that appearance that the background is expanding, but you're zooming into the face mm-hmm. or whatever you're looking at. Hmm. That's really neat. But yeah, you could tell that they that Hitchcock like figured that out there. His cinematographer did, and that is like every twenty minutes. <laughs> Use this thing because it's awesome. Because it effectively reproduces like it's called Vertigo. The right. guy has Vertigo. It's the disorientation. Right. Disorientation. Dis- was that a word? Disorientation. 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 Did you like it? Yeah, I gave it five stars. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. The story is fantastic. I'd kind of forgotten, like I knew how how it ended, but I'd forgotten a lot of the details. It's really good. Not my favorite Hitchcock movie, but up there mm-hmm. for sure. What's your favorite? Rear Window, easily. <laughs> movie scared the shit out of me when I was a teenager. Probably still would. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, then I watched a sequel that got horrible reviews, and I thought it was just as good as the original. I watched Zoolander 2. Thought it was just as good? Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen it. I fucking hated that movie. I'm still surprised. <laughs> Weird. I laughed a lot. It was fun. I like barely laughed at all. Weird. Opposite experience. I watched it with Cassandra uh, too, and she was the same way. She I watched like, it with Allison. We were she the same way. Yeah, she hated it. Wow, it was really funny. I thought the the jokes of how much things have changed in the past ten years were really funny. I they paid off. Hmm. Like them making fun of him for having a small cell phone, and everybody in the fashion world now having giant cell phones. <laughs> well, it was really funny. I thought all the fashion jokes were hilarious. I thought that's baby why, but if Allison hated it too, that doesn't add up. I thought maybe these jokes are like over the top because who the fuck knows who. I think Ashley, wing joke I think Ashley watched it. She just she told me not to bother. I think. Weird. She, she didn't like it. I mean, I can see if you hated the first one, hating the second one. We should love the first one. Yeah, I love the first one. Weird. The jokes are just as dumb to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's paid off better. Or the same. Yeah. Weird. Differing opinions. Yeah. Only on Talkie Talk. <laughs> well, this is like some of the first time like <laughs> this is like maybe the tenth movie that any two people have ever disagreed about on this. <clears throat> yeah, I went in with low expectations too, which, you know, seems like it would lean itself more toward me being like, Yeah, it was pretty bad. I laughed a bunch. Well, now, uh, now you've conscripted yourself to watch Anchorman too. I'll watch it. I'll watch fucking Anchorman. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mind Anchorman too. I didn't hate it. I thought it was <laughs> I, I didn't think it was as good. I thought it was Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that not being as good. I just wasn't a huge fan of the first Zoolander. Like I thought, I thought it was hard to make dumber jokes and make me that I would laugh at. I'm mm. pretty pretty dumb. But uh, I thought, what's his name? I can't remember his name from SNL. My favorite cast member now. He does the the shorts at the end now. Kyle Mooney. Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's, he's really he good Zoolander too. <laughs> they say things like uh, like oh, it sounds so lame. They're like oh, listen to y'all, so retro, so lame. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. But yeah, that was it. I watched a. a Ridiculous amount of movies this week. Nice. Is there a part we talk about next? I think we do a news mm-hmm. segment that we call Breezy on the Streets. Breezy. Cool. I, I, I shoehorned one in here, uh, so I'll just take it off the top. Cream of the crop. Yep. Drop top. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, Torchwood's coming back. Yeah. I was surprised by with the, the same cast. Captain Jack. Yeah, I believe so. You know, it was a stars show, um, basically like adult Doctor Who, but they basically just like made episodes of that show when they felt like it, and they'd have like little mini series. They had like a six episode arc. One of them where no one can die anymore, right? Right. That that was a big one. And I feel like that was the last one, but I haven't been that caught up on Torchwood. Um, But yeah, it's coming back like really soon. I was surprised. Yeah, Torchwood's coming back. Cool. I've never seen any of it, but. 
It's not bad. It's like it's it's the X Files. It's X Files like, except it's a little like superhero team y. Mm-hmm. And that they're just like this group of British or Welsh semi government division paranormal investigators hmm. that have knowledge of the Doctor and Doctor Who, but all like the weird alien stuff is true in this universe. Shut it down as best they can. Fairly big video game news for y'all because I know I think a lot of y'all play this game, but No Man's Sky getting a multiplayer and story. Yeah. Trying to salvage that game. Yeah, a year people f- have abandoned it, right? Yeah, a year from now that game is going to be uh, exactly the game they promised three years ago at E3. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the multiplayer thing is pretty crazy. You can do co-op exploration now. Neat. Yeah. At some point, I think I'm going to return to that game and maybe just restart. Oh yeah, it's anytime I pick the game up on like a whim, I always restart because I don't know where I am or what resources and, I have. And or... the progress is fucking pointless anyway. Yeah. It's like, oh, so I have a ship with 28 slots instead of, you know, the starting ship with 15. Like, that's inconvenient. And, like, upgrading your suit storage. But it's so easy to get your suit storage up. Yeah, I jumped back on for the base building, the foundation update. Didn't go back for the Pathfinder update. Um, but with this, there's there's also going to be 30 hours of story. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. They're going to... But, yeah, a game that was criticized for not having multiplayer and not having a good narrative and having too few alien races just now is getting... Multiplayer co-op, the single-player narrative, and more alien races. <laughs> Be interesting. I'll jump back. I'll check it out. It's worth it. The game that was promised. Yeah. I uh, got a bit of news. Um, don't know what the impacts can be, but uh, y'all see Disney movies are all leaving Netflix. Yeah. Disney's going to start their, their own streaming service. service. Yeah. So I think I think Disney could have some success with it because they do have Marvel and they do have Star Wars and they do have. That's unknown at this point. Netflix is still. Apparently, still fighting for the uh, not Disney Studio stuff, but like the Marvel Studios Ooh. and the Disney Star owned, Wars, but not Disney owned, but not Disney produced. I guess I don't know the designation, but I feel like Disney would probably. Well, I don't know. I guess Disney Studios, the animation animation alone, can probably justify having its own streaming channel. Oh yeah, with for, all those shows they have for kids and shit. Yeah, so they'll probably be successful. I do wonder though if this is if a lot of other companies are going to try the same model and just. Fail house have like a universal streaming and yeah. is a la carte yeah. ordering is I would have cable if I could tell them what I wanted to watch yeah like yeah. like we don't we don't need ESPN in our house but we need Fox Sports right. because we watch soccer right but we don't really watch anything else any right. college football is on basic cable right. So if Disney pulls all that shit off, we're gonna fucking sign up for it, especially if they start circumventing their Disney Vault bullshit, which. Where they create artificial scarcity for buying any of their movies. Because people don't really buy movies anymore. Right. And so, like, you know, if I wanted to watch the original Beauty and... Not the original. You guys are assholes for pointing at that last <laughs> podcast. But the animated Beauty and the Beast. The Oscar nominated. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how I would. Because it's not go buy, like, a physical copy or yeah, pirate yeah. it. And Disney is crazy about pirates. They will shut your shit down yeah, they made, like, so fast. They, they made, like, like four of those movies. movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love the Pirates movies. <laughs> I got a little another little little nugget of exciting news. Uh, Give us it's not really nugget. exciting news, <laughs> but something me and Brent I know we're looking forward to. But uh, came out that Stephen King won't write any of the Castle Rock, the Hulu series based off his works. And when I asked why he wasn't, he was like, "Because why would I get in the way of J.J. Abrams? <laughs> he doesn't mess up. Like it'll, it'll be fine. I don't want to be. I don't want to be involved in that. Um, but that's still not coming out until next year at some point." But I'm, I'm really excited for, for that. Is that coming to Hulu or something? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. for Hulu. Cool. I have a Hayao Miyazaki news. Oh! That uh, he's got a new movie coming out. Yeah. That they uh, actually... I didn't know that Studio Ghibli had shut down its production department mm-hmm. like four years ago. They just reopened it for him to come out of retirement and do a new movie called Boro the Caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> Noth- nothing's confirmed, but that's what everything kind of goes to. I think there's like a making of Boro, some some stuff right now. Cool. It's like some cutesy, naturey stuff. And guys, we buried the lead here. There's a new record set on hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. For the fastest round in history. The fastest non yeah, the fastest play in round. What do they call those when it's not the winner's circle? I just I don't know. It's like a regular category round. Yeah, I don't know. But our buddy did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So way to go, Brian. Congratulations, Brian Darby, champion on uh, $100,000 Pyramid. He also won the winner's circle with uh, one fifty grand there. Yeah, so nice. So. He made it once and won it once. So if you need to borrow any money, we'll drop his email address <laughs> in the show notes. That's his personal address. <laughs> and his wife and children's names. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well, you got to put pressure on him sometimes to give you the loan. <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool. It's uh, you know, if uh, if you're interested, go check it out on YouTube. I think they uh, they posted the winner's circle on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Buzzer Blog posted it, which uh, is a game show blog. Yeah, cool. And it was cool. You got to hang out with Bobby Moynihan. Mm-hmm. I feel like that guy would be cool. And Debbie Mazar. Yeah, I think I think she's cool. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Debbie Mazar. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, I know he does. I don't. I don't have a problem with her. Oh yes, yeah. I just wasn't as excited. Well, I don't have a problem with her because I didn't have to play pyramid with her. <laughs> yeah. She wasn't as good. I mean, he did directly make fun of her <laughs> on TV. Yeah. All right. Uh, so if no one else ha- else has, has, has <laughs> if no one else has any news, uh, we can say what's in theaters coming out. This is not a break. I'm volunteering for my pick first. Okay. Oh. Okay. I played this game with serious intensity. I'm going Logan Lucky. Yeah. Nice. Really. So, I, from first showing, the only two movies that are um, wide yeah. release are Hitman's Bodyguard and Logan Lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of those two, I want to see Logan Lucky. Soderbergh movie will always get me interested. And the, the aforementioned Adam Driver, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I would, I would also prefer and, to go see that. If, and, and Daniel Craig looking awesome and doing a ridiculous Southern accent. Yeah, yeah. And their second movie together. Yeah. Yeah, I would also <laughs> pick Logan Lucky just because I, I just saw the poster for the Hitman's Bodyguard. And the tagline is "Get triggered," so oh. I'm gonna pick Logan Lucky. Really <laughs> funny for him, it looks, it looks yeah. To be action comedy, kind of is thing. that Gosling or Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Okay. Yeah. Reynolds and Jackson. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks They're both likable. I'll probably watch it on Netflix later. One day. On. Yeah, yeah, Netflix. Mm-hmm. But Logan Lucky just looks cool. Looks funny. <clears throat> is this where we do the outro? This is where we do the outro. <laughs> so uh, that's it. I want to say thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on our Twitter at the Media By Us. Email the Media By Us at gmail.com. Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV By Us, and Games By Us. Check out our Facebook page and interact with us. We love it. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us ratings. And want to say thanks to Willow Walkers for the intro music. Thanks to Burifa for the outro music. Burifa! Burifa! Willow Walkers! <laughs> I want to say thanks to Chris, Brent, and TJ. You're welcome. In, no, that, in that order for your participation. Yeah. Jesus! <laughs> How rude. You guys are all tied for first in my heart. Okay. Nobody cares about your fucking organs. <laughs> but we do and care that, about your fucking organs. <laughs> With that, thanks for listening. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know. What does it sound like when doves cry? <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Ah! Mm-hmm. Uncanny. <laughs>